have to record another podcast later, too. Oh, wow. Is that why you have a hard out? Yeah, that's why I have a hard out. Who are you guessing with? It's a podcast called Moving Right Along. It's a minute-by-minute Muppet movie oh. podcast. Yeah, ah, I think it's the who... fourth time I'll have been on it. It's Christmas Carol this time. Oh, it's not just the Muppet movie. It's no, 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 Muppet no, no. movies. Yeah, so this okay. will, yeah, and uh, I think I have to talk about the ghost of Christmas present, Big Jolly Guy. Yeah. I don't think I get a, a, a minute that involves Tiny Tim, which is upsetting. Come yeah. in and know me better, man. That's what he says. <laughs> Come in and know me better, man. And he says it several times. He says times. it in that sinister tone, too. <laughs> well, I was just going to say the ghost of Christmas present to me, is the unappreciated, scariest ghost. Yeah. Because he's so jolly. I'm talking about, like, in the book. Yeah. He's so yeah. jolly. He's so big. But he's so just, like, I find him sinister in a, like, why are you so happy kind of way. And then he lifts up his dress and there's kids under there. <laughs> this is the Muppets podcast, right? This is the Muppets podcast. Welcome to the, well, well, eventually. I was going to say welcome to the Muppets Hunger Games, but that's for later. No, that's uh, that's somewhere down the line. Yes, uh, but so when moving we get right along for us. Yeah, uh, this is this is a podcast called Pizza Toast. It is. Yeah. And, Talk about uh, YA. Yeah. Talk about books and movies. Some books, some moves. <laughs> Talk about movies based on books. Mm-hmm. Other things based Christy. on books. My name is Phil. I need uh, to practice the tagline for when I record a podcast later. Our last episode, we had a very smart person on. Yeah, that now, was weird, right? Now they are gone. <laughs> and you're left with us again. We got rid of the smart person. Mm-hmm. The smart they person They made is... too good of points. And that's yes. what we said. <laughs> they made, they made the, sh- they elevated the show. They t- they lifted the show up so high, we had to, <laughs> our congregation's going to have to look down to see heaven. <laughs> we must now bring it back down. To yes. where it's supposed to be, as we discuss Mockingjay, part Mockingjay. two. Woo! Part two, the final part, the final chapter. Freddy's dead. A lot of people are dead. A lot of people are dead in horrible ways. <laughs> A lot of people are dead in horrible ways, and they did show them. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Not, okay, so we didn't get, like, guy getting suspended in the air for a minute and a half while his skin slowly melted off no, his body. No, we didn't get any skin sloughing off, but we did get guys suspended in the air. Yes, they just, they, they hurried the process up a little bit. They were like, what if we combine the black goo uh-huh. with the man getting caught up in a net? Yeah. The black goo death honestly looked like something out of like a like a an analog horror YouTube video. Yeah. I like was, it was fair. Like that fair. distressing. Like, ugh. Yeah, I was this is a distressing movie. Mm-hmm. Wonder why. So, so the prior movie is very about like it's a it's like a it's kind of laying the groundwork, right? Like yes. we're getting we're getting to the point where we're gonna see PETA, then PETA and then PETA's gonna strangle Katniss. Then Julianne Moore is going to scare all of us. Come to find out, the ending of the first movie was su- was originally going to be PETA gets hit over the head, blackout credits. That was their original idea. And they were like, that's way too dark. They were like, that is that is too much to keep. So the beginning of this movie was supposed to be the end of the last, uh, was, was. Like the speech. No, the end of the last movie was supposed to be the beginning of this movie with her coming to in the hospital. I'm pretty okay with how it ended up being. Yes. Uh, 
I like yes. the Julianne Moore speech a lot. I like the the coin, the the president coin speech a lot. Right. Um, I do love the idea of a cut to black after that. That is really like, but it, it's true. That's too, uh, it's too bleak and it is not blockbuster. It's not blockbuster, which unfortunately neither was this movie because this is the least successful Hunger Games movie in the entire series. That shocks me. Yeah. It's that weird thing of like, do people just not go like, I know what happens. I don't need to see the rest. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you go see the rest of it? I, were people so thrown by the previous film? Because usually an unsuccessful movie in a franchise means they didn't like the previous movie. Right. And it, which is, I can't believe that's true. I and mean, maybe it is. It's possible it is. The, but the previous film, you and I both said, like, this is the best movie to that point. And I actually do think it's the best movie having now rewatched this one. Yeah, yeah. It's because this well movie's not. Paced. I mean, it's still good, but yeah, this movie unfortunately has a lot of catching up to do. Just because you suddenly you introduce like you reintroduce Joanna, you introduce Finnick's girlfriend, you've just got a lot of moving parts. You got the cat lady, so there's a lot of stuff that they kind of have to zip through just for like, the saving of expediency. So we're not just sitting in the theater for three hours. At least they introduce League One and League Two. So quickly, and they're dispatched so quickly that I forgot they were in the movie. <laughs> uh, you know who you won't forget is in this movie? Michelle Forbes. I thought you were going to say lizard men, but go on. Oh, the lizard men don't look like lizards. We'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Uh, Michelle Forbes plays Jackson. And yes. Michelle Forbes is, as we all know, television sci-fi royalty. Uh -huh. uh, she plays Ensign Rowe in Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> and she plays Admiral Hel Helena Kane in Battlestar Galactica, one of the single most evil characters in all of Battlestar Galactica. The remake of Battlestar Galactica. Yes, the no. remake of Battlestar Galactica. Not the original Battlestar Galactica. Told you about the time I was in an elevator, yes. uh, one of the Hunger Games elevators at uh, Dragon Con, and I walked in and I was wearing like my Starbucks remake costume, mm. and there was a man in there wearing like dress blues, and I was like, oh, what's that cosplay? He said, Battlestar Galactica, the original, and then yeah. we rode in silence for like 10 floors. You, you should have been like, oh, well, I mean, you could do that. You know, you or you could have done something from like Battlestar '85 or whatever that like spinoff <laughs> series was. Battlestar Blood and Chrome, uh, uh -huh. Caprica. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that? Uh, Do people dress that... up like characters from Caprica? Are they like? It's, it's it's that's like people dressing up like characters from that Krypton series that nobody watched. <laughs> I don't think anyone was dressed up like characters from Caprica. I've never seen somebody in a con dress up like a character from Caprica. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to. Yeah, now now's your I chance. I didn't even finish Caprica. No one did. Much <laughs> like the Willow TV series, no one's ever going to be able to finish it. <laughs> Do you want me to bring my uh, like my model of the Galactica into shot for the rest of this episode? Yeah, uh, only if you fly it around. <laughs> I mean, and go, I, I gladly would. <sighs> There's so many toys in this room that I could fly around. There is a, a flying sky bison to my immediate hey. left. Yeah, there's so many toys. What is it like to be in a room with so many toys? <laughs> you have more. Uh, Phil has an order of magnitude more toys in his room than I have in mine, and I have a lot. I I just have I just added a neat little like sh like staircase shelf behind yeah, me. Yeah, you had to just to make room for some of my toys. And I have uh, an Alf that I have yet to open that arrived Whoa. from Entertainment Earth the other day. My <laughs> stupid that I ordered, I believe, in March of 2022. 
Oh, surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, supply <laughs> supply chain problems. Oh, okay, so yeah, the the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. Mockingjay Part 2. Mockingjay Part um, 2, you got some production facts for me? I do have some production facts for you. Blame um, on me. What, what, what was, what's fascinating about this movie is the fact that, A, they had to start making it before they were done with the, the, the previous one. Because right. they knew that the special effects were going to be so intense. They were like, we just got to start making these, doing these scenes, <laughs> which is, I think, paid off. This is a great looking film. Uh, 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 they did a lot of location shooting for this. Like, yeah. Uh, up to and including the the mysterious, uh, whereas I have a whole, there's this article that I pulled up that I that I was fascinated by. It's called, uh, uh, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Where is it? Here it is. It's called Why an Underpass in Berlin is Hollywood's Biggest Breakout Star. From the Born Supremacy to Atomic Blonde, the Mesadam subway has starred in six blockbusters over the last 13 years, and it is the subway with the orange pillars where they're running through. Uh, All you had to say was the Born Supremacy. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. That. <laughs> it's in Captain America Civil War. It's in Hannah. It's in all these Greg, these smash hit movies, uh, and apparently the the location person in Berlin, like the person whose job it is, like when location scouts come in and they're like, "Well, show us what you got." Apparently, this person attempts to discourage the use of this location because it's so overused. Yeah. Uh, He's just like, the people are going to think this is the only thing that exists in Berlin. Uh, but he's like, uh, as soon as people see it, though, they're like, oh, this is amazing. And he goes, I always warn directors that it has been in these films, but they like the location and they are not dissuaded. It makes it look as if we only have two locations here in Berlin, the underpass and the Tempelhof Airport, which is also used in the Hunger Games part, catching a mockingbird, <laughs> mockingjay part two. Uh, that airport is basically when uh, when Gwendolyn Christie, uh, all that stuff is happening. It's because it's this airport that got like decommissioned, so it's just a like a it's just this brutalist architecture. It's where you falling. Well, it's a what? place where you film now. So now you can, it's a huge space, ugly old buildings. You can yeah. just throw a bunch of rubble everywhere, haul out Gwendolyn Christie, and tell her to make a speech, and you're fine. You got you got. Weird that Gwendolyn Christie is in this movie, right? But she was a last minute replacement. They lost their actress for. Uh, I think she had to do a Broadway production or something, and they were like, nah. She's great. Haul in, haul in the Star War. Here she come. Was she already in the Star War at this point? I don't think she was. No, she was uh, the, the, the the mountain that moves. What her name is? Brienne of Tarth. <laughs> yes. The <I> <laughs> mountain that moves. I don't like, even know if she was Brienne of Tarth yet, was she? 2013, yes. She was, She because, because uh, what is that show called? Uh, throne game. Throne game. Hunger Game of Throne. Uh, she. <laughs> oh, did anyone make a Hunger Games of Thrones parody? Oh, I don't know, but but chat AI's about to... no. Uh... <laughs> uh, no, she. Yeah, because Hunger Game or Game of Thrones was twenty. I want to say eleven or twelve. Yeah, you're right. It did start while I still lived in Michigan, and that's how I carbon date things. It still so, yeah. started while I was living in Alana's apartment before we moved into this house. So, oh, okay. So that's how I carbon date things. <laughs> I remember watching it on my laptop in the living room. I watched like, the finale on a laptop in bed. I watched the first like six episodes, and I was like, eh, I know how this is It's what go. it deserves. I, I, I saw the whole series. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gwendolyn Christie is in this movie. Yes. So, yeah, the, uh, this is no, this is a very location heavy movie. And yeah. it looks 
good. Yes, it does. Oh, turn, it turns out when you uh, shoot on location and just uh, augment it with CGI, it looks pretty good. Yeah. When your characters no, are actually running through environments. Yeah, uh, it's it works particularly well, uh, and because it has to for the uh, running around the capital portion mm-hmm. of the film. This is a this is a movie with a lot of extras. It's got a lot of wide open spaces. Um, it uses claustrophobia really well. They it's a it, we go from the sewers to the the, the apartments. We only lose a few. Th- we lose Katniss shooting the civilian. I'm very okay with that, by the way. <laughs> Doesn't ha- I was waiting for it though. I, I was, was too. Like, I was glad that they omitted it. Mm. We lose her and Joanna's entire plot. Like all the training goes out the window. I was uh, less okay with that. I there. Uh, yeah, there's one huge revision that is made in this movie. Uh, we'll and we lose. Yeah, we'll oh, there's one other thing we lose. That's like a big. I don't remember what it was. It was adapt like uh, adapted out. Um, where is it? I have it right here on my list. Uh, oh, Peta's brainwashing healing. They kind of let it just sort of happen as opposed to us following his like treatment. Um, they also have to change it right at the beginning, like right at the outset, because they never introduced Deli Cartwright as a character. So they can't have her as his anchor yep. to District 12. And they have to use Prim, which seems compromised from the from the jump. It seems compromised. I understand why they did it. Like, that's a whole other backstory to talk about. Well, they gave a lot of, they gave all of the Delhi stuff to Prim. Yeah. I also think it's cool because it gives Prim more to do rather than just sit around being, yeah. being Prim until the end when she gets blown and to hell. getting murdered. Yeah. yeah. By uh, Gail. By Gail. Or, or is it? It is. Um, yeah. He says, <laughs> this... well, he's, she's like, did you blow up the bombs? Were those your bombs that blew up my sister? And he's like, no. And that <laughs> that's the it. point that, that I actually was like waiting for and watching for because of our prior episode, because yes. this was mentioned as like the pivot point for Gail. Yes. And we get to yes, see, we see his whole thing about uh, him describing the traps that he's setting and he's experienced with. What's interesting is because I had watched the deleted scene where he does that as well, I thought, oh, this is great. Like, they're really reiterating this. They're really selling it. And then I was like, oh, wait, that was a deleted scene. But it would have been cool if they had done it in both where he's just like, I want to drive people into a shoot. <laughs> if I get nothing else out of this experience, I want to drive people into a little shoot and then murder them. He does get to drive people into a shoot. He does. He does get to do that. Uh, There's a lot of stuff in this movie that is word for word the book. Yeah. This one is this is a fairly direct adaptation. Like they they had the time to take half of the book and drop it into the movie. And by God, they did it. Uh, the, the one major change they make is uh, Katniss doesn't train. Katniss sneaks out and they play around that. Like a coin is like, no, we make this look intentional. I actually think this is very clever and really effective. And they give her and Joanna a couple of scenes. That, Not enough, but they do give them a couple. Yeah, that attempt to sort of fill in those blanks. I mean, I can... It would literally be thirty minutes of screen time to do it justice, and they said in the and they said in the commentary uh, they just couldn't justify the stopping the momentum of the movie at that point. Yeah, because it does like, slow up the book a little bit. So it puts the book on pause for a bit. Because again, the book is all from Cadmus's perspective, so yes. we're not seeing all these military maneuvers from her. But when you're seeing them, they're kind of driving you forward. And then if she was like doing like a Rocky training montage, <laughs> which would be amazing, I would enjoy that. We also get to see because of the lack of Cadmus's perspective, uh, 
President Snow do his favorite thing and poison a guy. <laughs> so they give Snow a Darth Vader scene. They do it so good. I really liked this, actually. Like, I was very happy about it. Which they actually said was inspired by uh, the Untouchables. They said it was a Capone bashing the guy over the head with the baseball bat scene. But they okay. were like, the Snow wouldn't attack a guy. And they were like, how do we do this? We want to see him. And they were like, oh, his point. Like, they were just like, oh, the right. The thing that he poison. loves the most in the world. Poisoning. What's funny is they didn't work backwards from the voice. They, were like, they weren't like, we got to show Snow poisoning someone. How do we work? They were like, I want Snow to kill somebody. If only there was some character-like <laughs> way he would do that. Baseball bat over the head. <laughs> Snow's gross in this movie. Like, he looks amazing, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland has never looked better than he does in this movie. Except at one point he opens his mouth too wide and you do see it fill with blood. You do see it fill with blood. You do see him passed out in his own mouth blood a couple of times. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it apparently the- keeps happening to him. He's like, ah, oh, the feebleness of the old man. Right. It's because every time he would poison someone, he would, like, lick his fingers. Why does he ingest so much poison? He doesn't have to do that. I was going to say, like, I think you can be a poisoner and not eat a lot of poison. Like, you can be... Sam Malone tended bar at Cheers, and he never had a drink. (laughs) This man is doing it for love of the game, and he loves the taste of poison. I just got to test a little bit. It's a little for Papa. Here we go. I'm going to regret this. Oh, I can't wait for you to read his origin story. I knew you were uh, going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I'm so excited. Uh, anyway, yeah. So this movie, anything Tell anything else you have to tell me about it before we talk about it? The I believe the first thing they filmed, oh God, the first thing they filmed was, again, something super awkward. I don't remember what it was, but the last thing they filmed was the final scene, was the epilogue. And they filmed that, I believe, almost a year after filming wrapped. Uh, well, that's and, good because they don't look like they look normal. For and was, the children, they look normal. And I think it's because I had to think they had to wait for that baby because those kids are all uh, Jennifer Lawrence's relatives. They're all her oh. nieces and nephews, I think. And uh, and also, Peta had to wear a wig in that scene because his <laughs> hair was brown again. Of course and, it was. The little boy he's playing with only wanted to pick things up off the ground and throw them at him because they were like, <laughs> he was a bit of a handful. So that shot you see of him and the boy like being like genuine and affectionate with each other, like it took all day to get that shot because that boy was a real piece of work. And they're <laughs> like, and the baby wouldn't startle to wake up. So they were like clapping their hands and like, <laughs> like trying to make the baby startle. <laughs> That's really good. And. The baby's mom, the kid's mom, was just off camera taking <laughs> pictures for Instagram That's or whatever adorable. whatever social media was going on at the time. Uh, this is not relevant. Can we talk about how the finale of The Last of Us, they used actual infants? <laughs> you can tell they're real because they're disgusting looking. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how they pull off some of the stuff they pull off in The Last of Us. The finale is breathtaking, a revelation. People uh, hated it. Yeah. Uh, it, do people hate it and they haven't played the game? Like, they didn't know? Like, they no, didn't know, did they? I think they've, and without spoiling anything for anyone who hasn't seen The End of The Last of Us, I think it's because what works in the game comes across as, for some people, I think, came across as a little too, like, effortless on his part. Like, <laughs> 
in the in the TV show, like you're finally doing like the 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 duck and fire and the 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 massacre a bunch of people thing that you do throughout the entire game. Yeah, yeah. But now you're doing it, and it's just like, well, where'd all this come from? Like, we know he's a good fighter, but this is this is something else. I'm just so glad we can resurrect the debate of whether the decision he makes at the end was right or not. I'm just so glad we can talk about it again. But where do they go from here? That's my question. I say uh, family-friendly spinoff. I say the game, the next game, the one people virulently hate. <laughs> uh, Last of Us 2? Yeah, 10% I think people, I think people 10% of people that. hate that game. It's a perfect game. Yeah, no, I, think no, people have, I think people came around on Last of Us 2 after they got over the initial shock. A lot of people don't like the co-lead because she's mm. not hot. And that is a problem. And I do think we need to address that. Uh, but I'm sure it'll be. What, is this uh, is season two going to be like, we're aging them up? Well, they're going to they, they're gonna have to. Okay, so for one thing, Bella Ramsey is probably going to look like six years older in a year, right? Because she's still yeah. growing. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's fine. Um, I mean, she's 20. She's a little. Right. I keep thinking she's, she's an adolescent because she's so no, low. No, she is. She is a 20-year-old in a chest binder. She has talked about that quite a bit. Uh, Maybe they'll let her not wear the binder. No, she wants to wear the binder for, like, for personal reasons. reasons. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, gender reasons. Yeah. And uh, I know yeah. that she goes by they and she. Yeah, so. yeah. She, they, I think. She, but, said yeah. That, she said in interviews that she, they, she, sometimes she wore the chest binder, sometimes she didn't, for comfort reasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought she was wearing, because it's clear she's wearing at least a sports bra like the yeah. entire time because I'm like, I mean, she's, you can see it through her shirt. And I was like, is that a character choice? Is that a like uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz choice? Is it like Bella Ramsey's 20 years old and they need her to look like a 14 year old <laughs> choice? Because she looks like a child. She has yeah, she, child She looks really young and she's, now that you remind me, she's not going to look that much older. They can't recast her. She no. has to be that character. No. I don't believe that he's as old as he's supposed to be. He's not. No, I know that, but I don't believe it either. Like he doesn't, he doesn't come look. Acro- they didn't try to rough him up at all. He just looks a little hotter than he usually does. Like he looks it's like a high schooler when they have to play an old man, and they just put a lot of gray in their hair. The thing is, he's one of the best looking people, and it's crazy that you're able to like respect him as an actor. <laughs> he's not one of the best looking people. He's one of the best people. Oh, that's like, it. Yeah, no, you're you're both. Things. He strikes both me as a genuinely kind human being. He, everyone says he is. Yeah, and Dana worked with him and said he was really just like a very normal dude. I've watched the Vanity Fair lie detector thing with him yes. three times. I just keep making people watch it. He and Bella Ramsey honestly strike me as just two very nice, genuine people. <laughs> as much as people who are that famous camp. Well, they're British, so that's different. Or she's British. She's British. And he's, he's Chilean. He's Chilean. I, I, as I, I don't. I believe that I believe that British people can be like normal people if they're very famous. I assume that Chilean people can as well. Americans <laughs> can't. If you're famous American, you're on another plane. You know who's like a really nice dude? Really, Who? Oscar Isaac. I'd buy it. Yeah, super nice. Speaking guy. of, just watched The Bourne Legacy, starring <laughs> our boy Oscar Isaac. <laughs> In a great role. In a fisherman sweater. I really love that scene because, like, I love that the way of introducing the idea that there are many boards to you is, like, look at this other devastatingly handsome man. He's hanging out in the cabin by himself. Uh-oh, here's another one. Are they gonna <laughs> I was so upset that it was not a buddy film between the two of them. Like, I, it's really, it's a huge bummer that he dies as quickly as he does. It sets up that they're gonna be, like, buds, like grudgingly 
getting I love them that together. they like eat soup together. It's really mm-hmm. adorable. I just I love I love watching Oscar Isaac in anything. Uh, and when I didn't know he was in it, and then he shows mm-hmm. up, and yeah, it's I a was, fun surprise. I was like, it's 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 him. It's the guy. This is going to be a great movie. And then he died, but still a great movie. Still a great movie. Born Legacy. Yeah, Riz Ahmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Riz Ahmed being a tech guy. Uh, yeah. I, I really love that movie. Uh, that one does feel like it feels very jarringly like uh, the year that it was made, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. What, how many times has Riz Ahmed played a tech guy? A lot. A lot. It's and like he one has of his go-to things. Such a distinct voice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing. Anyway, uh, Hunger Games, Mockingjay, part two. No, yeah, cut out all of that. But, Absolutely yeah. not. It's too much work. Oh, my God. Riz Ahmed. <laughs> said something about how I wanted the, the two born. <laughs> so you have to cut that. <laughs> nope. Okay. So I'm going uh, to make it louder and put reverb behind it. Oh, so Philip God. Seymour Hoffman had died. Yes, he had. Uh, before this movie was done being filmed, they gave mm-hmm. one of his scenes to Hamish, uh, turned his monologue into a letter that Hamish reads. I really like this choice because yeah. I think there is a certain degree of... You are aware that that's what happened. Like, you know that. But I'm just so glad they didn't try to manipulate his voice in some way. Like, and it comes across, like, it's such a nice, almost tribute to him to still give him that much screen time after he's passed away and can't actually have it. Like, and I'm glad we were able to have the reaction shots at the end. Mm -hmm. Like, enough. They say there's only two scenes that he was supposed to film that they reworked. The letter, and I can't find which the other one was. I think they just sort of like dished his lines out to some other people. Yeah. But uh, the letter, yeah, it worked because they justified it, really it happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah Philip Seymour Hoffman, his presence, his his lack of presence in the movie is felt a little bit. It is. Yeah. I do like that uh, most of his scenes, if not all of his scenes, are with coin. Mm-hmm. And his acting, I mean, it, it, there are only so many different ways to say that he was the best, but like such a such a deft hand at showing that he knows exactly who she is, but yeah. is not going to stand in her way. Like it's just every like chuckle, every hmm is just oh, it's so well done. And she's she goes nuts in this movie. She does. She really does. Yeah. Uh, Julianne Moore. She really ramps up the subtlety. <laughs> you can ramp. She gets up a haircut subtlety. at the end. <laughs> She gets a wardrobe change. Apparently, if you watch every scene she's in, her wardrobe gets more elaborate and militaristic. Uh, and, that checks out. Like, and she spent. It's clear that she's spending more money on her appearance yeah. as she becomes more and more like a capital leader, as opposed to a yeah. rebel leader. Um, she's yeah, she's she's wicked, and of course, it's Julianne Moore, so she's great. Yeah, the uh, the bog speech that is directly lifted from or like the chunk of dialogue more like that's directly lifted from yeah. the book was really resonant because you've watched this happen and also Mahershala Ali does a great like going out scene because goes out in a literal blaze of glory he has lost his legs and he needs to tell Katniss oh actually she's against you <laughs> that whole bit happens a little too fast for me I wanted a little more time with all of that because from PETA's attack on like, that happens very I'm like what's happening like that and, happens so quickly that if you were not watching very closely uh-huh. and possibly if you don't have the context for it you don't necessarily connect the dots that PETA kills a member of their team right and he clearly does it in this movie in the book it's ambiguous like yeah, oh no he does it here <laughs> yeah he just pushes the guy into the goop is it it's goop right it's the the black goop 
Yeah, it's the okay. it's the goop. Yeah, uh, this is my favorite work from Josh Hutcherson in this movie. Like, I think he's so good at being this broken version of a character that we have only seen up until like the parts of parts of the prior movie. Granted, we've only seen him be very uh, resolute, uh, not necessarily strong all the time, but like certainly put together. And he is just a fully broken band in this. That's what it was. They had to film Hutch's scene with Prim first before they filmed him attacking Katniss. Oh, yeah. The, that makes the, sense. The recovery was done first where he like freaks out at Prim. <laughs> and they said that Hutch was so frightened of doing that scene because he'd never played a character like this. He's never played yeah. a character who is out of out of like he's played so <laughs> many roles. He's never played like that angry, that violent, that just unhinged and he didn't know if he could do it he was very worried and uh they were just like he just did amazing and of course he yeah. was cg'd skinny again yeah he's very skinny looking at this point oh he's he's just it is impossible for josh hutcherson to be cast as anything that is not just a good boy mm-hmm. so it's great that he gets to do work here that is decidedly not good boy he does not get locked in a closet for as long of the movie as i would like Nobody well, really gets... honor that yeah. part of the book. They they leave out some stuff in their little journey that I can see why. I mean, because oh, yeah. this isn't a TV series, and uh, I think they sell it well, mostly because Hutch is such a good actor in this. He's um, really really good. the 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 movie is, I mean, it's pretty pound for pound for the most part, exactly the same as the back half of the book. Like this is not like there's nothing new we can really tell you that happens right. in this minus the the editorial changes that have been made. Yes, which is, I think that's why I had a harder time paying attention to this one. <laughs> the first one I was all in on because they altered enough and they added enough around the edges to flesh out the story that I was like, ooh, this is a whole new ball game. <laughs> this I was like, I've been to this ball game and I know who wins. Katniss Everdeen, the girl on Katniss, fire. Katniss wins. Katniss uh, does not go into solitary confinement. That's a big win for her in this. The, the character of the doctor is not in this. Yeah. Uh, who's like her bud. Yeah. Um, but you know who is in this? Buttercup. And you know what happens to Buttercup? He gets hollered at. How does, how did he get there? That's my first question. Uh-huh. And why do, why do we have to say... I actually know. Like, I, I, I think this is, this is cinematic gold. This is very good. Uh, it, it, um, Katniss is upset. Mm-hmm. She has good reasons to be upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's Hunger coming games. back to her house in District 12. The dang cat is there just, like, sitting on the counter, smug as you please. And she screams at the cat about how Prim isn't coming home. She's never coming home. And as you said, no cat would ever just, like, sit there through this. But that cat is, like, stock still. Because uh, Katniss needs to yell at somebody, and you know who's there? The cat. The cat's there. Now, in case you're worried, she did not throw the cup at the cat. I figured there, uh, no. There was no cat there. They CGI'd, they composited two scenes together. There was never a cat there until she picked it up, because they had to have a second unit director shoot all the cat stuff, because apparently... Like the bratty kid who kept trying to hit Hutch, the cat took all day to film just to get like those few reaction shots. They you know there, do they know there are cats that act like there are cats that are trained? I think they had like the perfect looking cat. Yeah. And they're like, nothing else looks like this cat, which apparently was a stray uh, because its ear is clipped in a certain way that I guess vets clip strays. Oh, yeah. Ears. Yeah. Or uh, people who do TNR, the uh, Trap yeah. release, they clip the ear like that. I have friends who have uh, like former street cats who have that. Yeah. So I guess they still do that in District 13. 
good. It's good um, that they have a TNR filler. Wait, yeah, it's, it's one thing they have from the old days. No, but uh, so they composite that together. Uh, but that scene with her freaking out at the cat, they did in one take uh, because they were just like, this is like, they were, they were just like, this is perfect. Like, they said that they were all back, way back far away so that J-Law could, could lose her cool and that they were all crying behind their monitors and they were like we don't need to do anything else the other thing they use the the scene where she's where he's like give me one good reason why i shouldn't kill you and she's like i can't and then she has like a monologue uh which i honestly kind of wish they'd cut i wish it had just ended with i can't and then he had lowered because she does such a great job selling that i can't yeah i was like i would agree to go into it that's that was enough like i would have been like oh Dip. That was good for me. She has to do the whole, ah, we're all snows puppets here. But yeah. but if you look at the scene, it's a shot reverse shot over their <laughs> shoulders. And when it's over her shoulder, her face is like brightly lit. But when it's she's looking at the guy, her face is half in shadow, which looks cool. But the director of photography was like, we have to do this again because they didn't hit their marks and they're not in the light. And the director was like, this is really good. We're just going to keep it. And so they're like, all right. And, but the, the DP wasn't happy, but he was like- I definitely I, didn't notice. DP is uh, like, I understand uh-huh. the uh, frustration over that. It looks really good. It does. And, and she's, I mean, as much as I think the scene is unnecessary, I don't know if I mentioned this last time. Someone on Facebook was going off about how she's never given a good performance. Yeah, you uh, did. I think you might have mentioned it to me privately, but I'm not sure. And I'm just like watching this movie and I'm like, whether you like the Hunger Games or not, think it's a worthy story or not you cannot accuse jennifer lawrence of not giving it her literal all the thing is she usually gives a good performance yes yeah. <laughs> sort of what she does and she's very good in this i actually think this might also be my favorite of liam hemsworth in this movie i can't i'm just not familiar enough with his work his oeuvre oh i i mean just among these movies i think this is oh, the oh i see uh, <laughs> i wish they had, Red Dawn i do wish they had cut the uh the edward jacob conversation or she's listening oh when they're talking about how about she's gonna that. pick yeah. who she would survive with because uh, it just doesn't feel like it needs to be there in the same way i do not care for it being in the book but right it is what it is it is what it is it gives them a moment together they get to act a little, yeah, and they never interact otherwise. Like I remember, yeah. There's a there's a time in the books. One of my favorite Pete, uh, Gail and Katniss conversations is when sh- he says it would be a lot easier if he could hate Peta, and we never really see them interact in a way that you could like you can feel that until that moment. Like yeah, yeah. Because they uh, seem is... almost like they're they're like convivial. They're buddies. Yeah. Right, because in the books, you at least get the whole thing of like, well, of course we all know who each other are. Like, we know each other because we all live in this little <laughs> town. But you don't get that in the movies. Uh, we should have had them like immediately like, do a really fast just flashback of them growing up together. Like playing ball in the street. That thing where you <laughs> have the hoop with the stick. The ball in the cup. Just a bunch of street playing games. Horseshoes. <laughs> playing horseshoes. A little shuffleboard. Oh, just all of the all of the parlor games that we love so much. Crazy Ethel or whatever her name is, the woman who worked in the like she's like dandling them both Greasy on her knees. Say. Yes, <laughs> she has them both Close. on her knees, like bouncing them up and down, like my boys. <laughs> um, did you know that the uh, consoles in District Thirteen were the same consoles used in Apollo Thirteen? In 1995, they were in storage. They brought them out for this movie. Then they reused them in Hidden Figures, again, as a 
control center. That makes uh, and sense. If, and apparently, if you were on the hidden figure set, they still said Pan Am on them <laughs> and property of Capital District Defense Forces. Yay. <laughs> so hidden figures. I mean, I guess this is true anyway. But hidden figures in the Hunger Games are set in the same universe. I mean, I guess they kind are set in the same universe. Yeah. They're, I mean, Because they... <laughs> it takes place in American history. So yeah, yeah. I guess it did happen. Just at very different times. Yeah. Right. But Katniss, you could have a scene where Katniss is like, I was just reading about the hidden figures. <laughs> that, that you wouldn't have time. You wouldn't have right. time to dwell on anything like that. Joanna but, yeah, there's not a lot of time him. taken in this movie, Bradley. Like there, it, like it, it moves at a pretty good clip, not to its detriment. It moves pretty fast. Uh, yeah. They, uh, there's just a handful of new characters. Uh, you don't really get to know any of them particularly well. Like Annie's in this movie more. Annie Crest is in this movie more. Joanna is back. Uh, you get to see her rip the needle out of Katniss's arm and shove it in her own arm, which is very funny. Yeah. You have this one second where it's like, oh, I wish they had had time to play with this relationship more. But Right. Uh, Jenna Malone, uh, uh, I know I mentioned this to you off mic. <laughs> I laughed a lot then. I will laugh again now. So Jenna Malone isn't in the movie very much, and they knew that she wasn't going to be in the movie very much, but she still needed to have a shave head head. Yes. And they and the director and the producer were like, we don't want Jenna Malone to have to shave her head, but we also don't want her to wear a ball cap because ball caps look terrible. Uh, True. So, so what they did is they put her in a bald cap. <laughs> Then they hired a head double. That is a, a, a human being with a head, the rough shape and size of Jenna Malone, which I guess is what it says on your resume. They shaved that person's head, had them, I guess, do the scenes a la Peggy in the in the uh, Marvel movies where like they would film her and then they would film an old person in the same place and like <laughs> superimpose the old person over her to make her old. They did that with Jenna Malone's top of head. So sure. they composited actual bald head with fake rubber bald head to which the director, Francis Lawrence, no relation to Jennifer Lawrence, <laughs> as they say a million times, uh, said, and I quote, um, you can see the hair follicles and the pores. He's so amazed. <laughs> And how good a job they do that you could see her hair follicles. And I was talking about this with Mitzi and I was like, that's a lot of work. Was it worth it? I mean, it looks like she has a shaved head. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could have fooled me. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have questioned it. Yeah. Like when I find out that like in Wizard of Oz, bring it Wizard of Oz again. In Wizard of Oz, they're like, we had to take a pantyhose and fill it with a thing. And there was like this thing that spun around and we had to string the pan. It was like this huge contraption just to get the one shot of the twister in the back. To me, I'm like, yes, like that's special effect. So this one, it's like, we didn't want to ask Jenna Malone to shave her head. I'm like, you know what? You put PETA in a wig in the very end. Like, put her in a wig. Just put her in a wig. Maybe it's a few a week or so later and so her hair's growing out a little bit. I don't... Uh, can we talk about the end? Can we talk about the end for a second? Talk about what you like. I would have been so much happier if they just didn't do the epilogue. Mm. Just ended like with the her. two of them in bed. And he says, you love me, real or not real. This is real. They cut the bike. I'd be I'd mm -hmm. be much happier. I like I like her whole thing about how she goes through the people, all the good things that have happened. And I like, as cheesy as it is, I like the last line. I like the whole, <laughs> like, people play all kinds of games, but I don't want to play the, those games, baby. I I like it actually better here than I like it in the book. 
in part because I don't have to read the line. It took Peta like 15 years to convince me to have kids. Like, because I, I don't have to read that. That makes it a lot easier for me. I think <laughs> every it's a real night, line in the book. Yeah. Every night, he's just like, tonight, tonight. I'm paraphrasing, but there is a line where she's like, it took him so many years to convince me to have children. It's like, yeah. I wonder why. No, I like the I like this better. I, I just, it's so, it, it's so bright. It's such a bright shot. And I get why they did that. Like, I get, I understand. Yeah. Oh, the reason they had to wait so long to do it is because when they were going to film it in Georgia, the weather was bad. Like, it was like <laughs> a super gloomy winter or something. And they were like, well. You just reminded me of that because yeah, they want they were like, oh, it's Georgia, it's gotta be beautiful and bright all the time. No, turns out it rains in the south. Yeah, she's wearing a yellow dress. She looks very smooth. She does. She looks like airbrushed in a way that she never does in the movies, even though like she does look consistently stunning. Oh, also this uh, this movie has some of my favorite costume design of the whole series. Yes, they're very cool Henleys. They all wear that are like the placket is like slightly off center. Really good look. Uh. You get to, like, Finnick wear- Finnick's wearing it, and he looks really dapper. Uh, Gail's uh, army fatigues that are not fatigues, that are just, like, a lot of leather and black, really good. Uh, it- good stuff all around. Uh, we get to see Hamish kiss uh, Elizabeth Banks. I was in. We get to see that, but we don't get to see Katniss kiss Peta. No. They don't. They purposefully withheld a Katniss Peta kiss. They're like, we don't want to give people that. They're like, we're not going to give them that. But that apparently Elizabeth Banks and Woody Harrelson approached them with the kiss. We're like, we want a kiss at the end. And they were like, go for it. Also, apparently, I keep reading this. Jennifer Lawrence would chew on garlic and tuna before all of her kissing scenes with Gail to make it uncomfortable. And I was like, why don't just act it? Like, No, it's it's way funnier that she did that. That's vile. Like, It's so mean. It's me, and also I'm not I'm not a pranks person either. I'm just like, don't. And, uh, Jennifer Lawrence strikes me as an extremely pranks person. I mean, we knew that she and Woody Harrelson, man, <laughs> all over that. So that's an IMDb trivia. The kiss is really nice. Yeah, that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's also it doesn't linger too long or anything, but it really sneaks up on you. Like he kisses Effie on the cheek, and then he goes through the mouth, and she's in. She's yep, in. She did, and she she reciprocates. It's very it's very good. Uh, it's nice to see like two adults interacting. In this. That's what it is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's adults acting like adults. It's a very adult kiss. Not it like is. not like sexual. Like it looks like two adults who probably slept together a few times. Probably. No, they don't have a future together, but respect each other and like each other. Like giving each other a kiss goodbye, but like a real kiss goodbye. It's real. It's yeah. really sweet. I, I like feel I want to believe that it was Woody Harrelson saying goodbye to Elizabeth Banks. Oh. But he had to imagine it was Matthew McConaughey to make it that meaningful. <laughs> they are they do love each other very much. Do you think Woody Harrelson has kissed Matthew McConaughey? Yes. Okay. I just needed to know. I, needed, I, mean, I, I feel like it's happened and like that he tried to make a joke of it. Like or, like it was like, yeah. how wouldn't it be funny if we did this? I want to believe that they tried to make a game of it. A hunger, a hunger game. game? <laughs> hunger game. <laughs> and we're uh, the tributes. <laughs> we'll say this for the epilogue. At least she doesn't like write in a book the Hunger Games at the end of it, because that's how Game of Thrones was. No, that's how it needed to end now. <laughs> She's at a big drafting table with a giant red book and a quill. And she's like, and that's the end of the worst game of all. 
The Hunger Games. Did you read that good uh, Slag of Ice and Fire books? Because there's a time when Peter Baelish says the only game, the Game of Thrones. And I remember reading it and like smacking it shut and be like, okay, series wrap on these. They say that like a couple of times because... They keep talking about, yeah. I will not play your Game of Thrones. It's really good. Because it's only the first book is called Game of Thrones too. Like, yeah. It's not the Game they of Thrones They don't use series. the phrase Storm of Swords often enough is the thing. Oh, it's a real storm of swords. We're out in a there. real storm of swords up <laughs> here. We're for real. They, do they say uh, they say Hunger Games in the books? They well, say yeah. Mockingjay in the books. Well, do they, they say to. Catching a Fire? They say they say Catch Fire a lot. Catch Fire, but they don't. Do they ever say? They might in not the, say like, Catching Fire. Like this country is catching fire. They never say that. It's a thing that uh, Coriolanus Snow would say though. It's, Oh, I really like his death games. scene, by the way. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that I like. Um, oh yeah, so it, I mean, it like Katniss shoots uh, all the coin. It's very cool, honestly. That seems good. She makes very direct eye contact with Snow. Snow kind of does like a do it gesture. She yeah. uh, she rejiggers and shoots coin, and then uh, Snow has a big old belly laugh, and then the crowd advances on him and rips him to shreds, and it's very good. Yes, uh, off screen, like we don't. Yeah, we don't get to see him physically destroyed. The, the deaths we do see are bad. Uh, we see Finnick uh, gets taken down by the lizard guys. Lizard guys, by the way, it real like cross between the Pale Man and Pad's Labyrinth and the cave monsters in the Descent. Yeah, not particularly lizardy. No, but terrifying. Like a like an evil version of the Greendale human being. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They, they're really awful to look at, and I said something to you about how I find them very scary. I think they're too scary, uh, positive. And you said, yeah, but they go on for a while. And they do. They go on way too long. They really go... The, it they takes have them to, so long to kill Finnick. Yeah, and I mean, I get it, but because they had to cut so much other stuff short, I could have done with a, little, a few fewer lizard men and a yeah. few more civilians getting shot in the forehead by Katniss's arrow. Yeah, that would have been nice. Uh, and a little bit more of Tigress. Like, I, we get Tigress. She's uh, she's their ally, but I always want more of this character. Well, apparently we'll be getting more of a character spoil. Yes. Uh, also, uh, I do know that she's the actress who plays her is way too young for her to be the same Tigress who is going to appear in the prequel series. Um did you know deal? I need to know. That two movies were released in 2015 featuring dead people who had died while filming. This movie and, and? famous is famous. I don't know. I don't know died while it. filming. It was part of a franchise. I don't know. It involved cars going very fast and very oh, furiously. Did Paul Walker die? Uh, uh, Furious Seven was released in uh, 2015, and Paul Walker. Yeah, wait, did you? Yes, he had died. He yeah, died. I know. I was. And I know he died. I just didn't know it was the same time. Uh, yeah, Furious Seven, pretty good movie. I don't think he died at the same time. I just he think these movies uh, were both released. Uh, I think he died before that, but. Yeah. Um, that's just a bit of the trivia that's available. Uh, the other piece of trivia that you might not know about this movie. <laughs> did you know that Liam Hemsworth said this film, quote, might be the best in the series and, quote, never lets down in its action? It never lets down. I, <laughs> I think, think the it's latter never part lets is up. true. It doesn't really let me down at any point. No, never... I think it's you're supposed to say it never lets up. <laughs> <laughs> it never lets down either. It never lets down. 
It never lets me down. That was what I, yeah, I just yeah. inserted the word. Uh, it doesn't ever let up either. He's right about that. Except, Here's a bit of trivia. Oh, wait, no, go on. Except when he's having a conversation with another boy, but a girl. Okay, go on. What's your you other bit of trivia? The carbine used by Boggs and the rest of the team escorting Katniss is the HK G36C. This is a 5.56 millimeter carbine used by the German army and various police units around the world. The receiver on the weapons in the film, though, has selections for safe, single-shot, three-round burst, and full auto. You know that there are people who love guns? How many people found that interesting? <laughs> um, 56 of the 133. That's pretty high. Uh, I, ra- I work in a lot of military sci-fi novels, and uh-huh. the people who read those really do want to tell you how accurate or inaccurate the information is about the weaponry used. They sure do, which is why it's best to just gloss over that. <laughs> uh, apparently, French singer-songwriter David Halliday is in this movie uh, as a greenhouse guard. He's one of the greenhouse guards. Apparently, he's famous, and that was a big deal in France. Uh, They're only there for like a second. Did you know that Jenna Malone plays Donald Sutherland's daughter in Pride and Prejudice? I didn't know that. Uh Huh? So connections, same universe. (laughs) Uh, The teaser trailer for this movie dropped on James Newton Howard's birthday. Oh, that's so nice. And that Liam Hemsworth and Woody Harrelson both appeared the next year in The Duel. And that Egeria and BT both appeared in Lady on the Water in 2006. And that Julianne Moore and Philip Seymour Hoffman have both been in Boogie Nights together. I did know that one. Um, there's only 10 minutes of on-screen combat in the whole movie. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I, how do you define that? I feel like the, the whole tunnel sequence I would count as combat. I don't know. Count them cracking the nut as combat. I don't know. Count PETA freak it out as combat. I, we don't really have that much to say about this movie, do we? Yeah, because the movie is it's a very good movie. No, oh, I um, yeah, I really like this one. I think it's a. Uh, I think okay, having watched all four of them, no, I think the first one is the weakest. The I I think the second one might be my favorite, but I don't think it's the best. I think the third one is the best. I think the third movie is the best movie overall. Then the second, yeah, and the fourth, then, then the, first. the first, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this one definitely has some really good stuff in it that's better than the second movie. Is it? It doesn't have that weird locket scene, although it does have- <laughs> Oh, uh, no, but she does show those photos again. You yes. noticed, right? Yes. They're the same photos. Uh, <laughs> we got the Danny Strong scripts still going yeah. on, but this movie didn't do well. It only made $653 million on a Holy. $160 million budget, which I guess is like a lot. I guess some tragedy happened in Europe at this on the week it was released, so like no one was huh. going to the movies. Okay. Um, and it disrupted a lot of things. But I also just think that people, the problem with releasing this a year later was each year Hunger Games Mania died a little bit more. They really shouldn't have delayed this one more than six months. Yeah. This is also like as a fan, really irritating to have to wait a year between the two. And that's always the case for these like part one, part two. It's like it's very, it's mostly grading because you know the other one is all done. Yes. And why not uh, just throw that at us a few months later? But how oh, is that what they're going to do with Mission Impossible? They're going to space out Dead Reckoning so much, aren't they? I don't think so. I think that they're trying to they try to get movies in and out of theaters so fast Tommy these C days. knows what the people want. He does. They want Scientology. <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, it. I, that's it. They, <laughs> they want Scientology, and they want to watch him breaking his ankle in a scene. Mm-hmm. They want to watch a sixty-year-old man hanging off a thing. People, anybody who doesn't know that his ankle breaks on screen in uh, Mission Impossible 5, uh, people love finding that out when I tell them. 
It's just like when uh, when Aragorn breaks his toe kicking the orc helmet. Oh, I forgot about that. And everyone has to point it out, and then you can't not think about it. That's a yeah. real scream. Oh, oh, I think about <laughs> I think about the uh, running along the roof, and you watch like you watch his bones turn to dust, and then you watch him keep running. Yes, because he's Tom Cruise, and he's more machine than man. Right. Uh, what a moral quandary it is to love the Mission Impossible movies more than I love most things. Not really. I mean, liking Tom Cruise movies is like, you know that he's unhappy, so it makes <laughs> it okay. Like, you know that his brain doesn't work right, so it kind of makes it all right. He has hurt a lot of people, though, and Nicole <laughs> Kidman's not allowed to see her children. Uh, so that's bad. But we are looking forward to more Benji. He's a fun guy. Uh, even though he did say some pretty like dicey things recently about really yeah he had that whole like he, he and a bunch of people came out in support of like jk rowling or somebody it was like a pretty he was part of, oh simon something like that i think because they all have like movies that they're doing of course with they do. her or something so they're all like oh, oh, oh i care so much about what dan fogler has to say um yeah the hunger games the hunger games uh was a box office disappointment but it did okay uh it still did pretty uh, well I mean, critics like very it. profitable movies um people were like well maybe one day they'll do a prequel and that's what's gonna happen da, 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 da. and the prequel is cheap the prequels are a lot less expensive the prequels a lot less expensive there's no big celebs in it except for like a few like big name like a few name names who you'll recognize yeah viola but, uh, davis is playing a part which i'm excited for you to read the book so you can reflect with me on what a miscast it is yeah. like honestly truly uh, taking a, an extremely talented actor and putting her in a role that does not make sense yeah can't wait so, Christy, before we sign off, before we get yes. done, before we yes. before we our, wish our, our, our listeners a fond adieu, I have a few questions for you. Okay. Christy, uh-huh. where does Thresh hide out during the Hunger Games? Where does Thresh hide out during the Hunger Games? It's not the cornucopia. Is it cornucopia? Is it up a tree, in a wheat field, in a cave by the river, or he camouflages himself in the mud? The last one is something Peter does. Right. Is he in a cave? <laughs> Where... Is he in a field? He's in a field. Oh, yeah, because that's his, like, that's where he came from. Like, he, right. he, he grew up in a field. Christy, what is Gail's nickname for Katniss? Katniss. Very good. <laughs> uh, let's see. Those are those are both questions from The Hunger Games. Here's a couple of questions for Catching Fire. Yay. Let's, let's see where this goes. I'll just find a hard one here. Um, <laughs> This isn't hard. Who does Katniss hang in effigy during her private session with the game makers? Wait, is it... Cato, no. Seneca Crane, yes. President Snow, no. Or Annie Crestia, it's not. It's not Annie. It's it's Seneca Crane. I'm imagining her going in there and hanging Annie Crestia in effigy, and them just being like, "What the hell is going on? What is wrong with you? She's not even dead. We've really messed this poor girl up." <laughs> um, what does Hamish often call Katnip? Katniss. <laughs> he calls her sweetheart. Does he call her catnip? No. Girl on fire. No. <laughs> Sugar or sweetheart. He always calls her sweetheart, and it's great, and we love him. He does not sing the song, Let Me Call You Sweetheart, because no. he does not ask permission. And finally, uh, where is it? Uh, Mockingjay. A Mockingjay from the Mockingjay Interactive Quiz Book, free on Kindle, by the way. <laughs> Uh, all of these are, and they are set up like quizzes. Like you click the answer, and you I see if you got fun. it right. 
Once Slogan is displayed at the end of the first propo in District 8 as Katniss is walking in the ashes of the hospital, is it, may the odds be ever in your favor, if we burn, you burn with us, live, laugh, love, or (laughs) got milk? I'm going to assume it's if we burn, you burn with us. Live, laugh, Uh, love would be really funny. That's a lot snarkier than I was expecting from the unofficial (laughs) Mockingjay, the interactive quiz book, the Hunger Games series, book three. Um, What do the mutts smell like to Katniss? What do mutts smell like to Katniss? I don't know. It's a plot point. And it's intentionally... Oh, it's uh, roses. It's roses. The options were death. I mean, sure. Oranges. No. mm, That's a good smell, though. Yeah, they're really good. Roses or bad meat. (laughs) It's roses. It's roses because uh, President Snow. All right. And one last question to round out the Hunger Games original trilogy. What is the nickname of the indestructible place in the center of District 2 (laughs) that no one can get into without being killed by capital What are other options that are not the nut? (laughs) The hob. No. That's a different thing. Danger zone. Good. Death trap. (laughs) Or the nut. No one at any point says, let's go bust a nut, do they? They never say, tonight we're going to bust the nut. They never bust the nut. They do say the nut a lot, though, in the movie. They're looking at the they're looking at the hollow of the nut. They say, that's a big nut. Ex- they don't explain why it's called the nut in the movie. <laughs> so nope. you're even more left to question. Like, a tough nut to crack. Okay, I get it. That's stupid, it? but I understand it. The nut. You know what, though? It is stupid. It is stupid. And it's my least favorite part of the entire book series. <laughs> The fact that they call this thing the nut and they have to keep saying it. So, Christy. Yes. One thing our listeners might have forgotten is that we are a YA books and media podcast, not just books and movies podcast, which means that we talk about all kinds of media based on the books we read. Sometimes Thanksgiving floats, sometimes interactive CDs. I would really like it if there were a few more Thanksgiving floats, but they can't all be winners. So our next episode, we're Uh going to be talking about a few things based on the Hunger Games that just might surprise you. (laughs) Will they? I mean, I guess if you weren't, like if you were not... Of pop culture consuming age when The Hunger Games came out, you might not know just how many ways people were like, what if I parody this and it's not funny? So <laughs> I'm really, I'm really uh, loath to explain how excited I am to, to dive into this. And how those parodies go all the way from for preschoolers to mm-hmm. full frontal nudity. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's going to be an excellent episode. In the next episode, when we talk about Hunger Games parodies, hold on to your butts because this is going to get ugly. <laughs> Do I want to say goodbye to our. Can't even say it. Say goodbye to our nod. <laughs> Really funny. I was gonna make I was gonna make a Tour de France joke. Decided not to. It's cheap and about as dated as a Hunger Games parody. <laughs> uh, find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Yeah, enjoy our new logo. It's uh, good. Christy has her actual hair. My hair. Now. My hair looks correct. Yeah, I really appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> Fixed that for you. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, listen for Christy. She's going to be on some upcoming episodes of other podcasts. Yes, I am. Uh, moving right along. I do not know when it'll be out, so who cares? <laughs> listen to Deep in Bear Country. It's about the Berenstain Bears. Listen to it's still Torah time. It's not about Gamble del Toro anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, yeah, and uh, uh, goodbye, goodbye, nut. 
to find this big chunk. <laughs> I hate it so much. I know, it's really good. <laughs>